The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Did the ball come out? I think it did. It did. Iowa has it. Christian Kirksey going on the left sideline, and he's dragged out of bounds. If it stands, that's now two fumbles for Zach Swinnett. Yeah, and Zwinak took a hit right on the football when he got to the line of scrimmage. Watch Tanner Miller come in and get a hit right on the football, and it slides out. There it is right at the end. You can see Kirksey comes in. Nobody else sees the football. He picks it up and goes the other direction. And heads up play by Kirksey. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. We have the second of our two weekly Reporters Notebook segments in this podcast, this one featuring Scott Docterman, who looks ahead at the Hawks' road game against Northwestern in Evanston. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Northwestern's Pat Fitzgerald. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeyes' Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporters Notebook podcast. The Iowa-Penn State game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network, with announcers Eric Collins and Derek Ratley. A nice job calling this blowout game. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who was asked about the challenges posed to his defense facing hurry-up offenses like Penn State's. Well, you know, I mean, you always have a concern about any any challenges thrown at you, and we have two more of those. You know, we have three back-to-back. I think all three of those teams are leading the conference right now in plays per game. So uh, if there's a good thing in there, at least we've got a string of them together. But uh, that, that's part of the offense, and that's, you know, you just have to adapt. And I think the thing that affected us more is there execution. Their execution was really stellar the other night. I mean, it's, it was really good, and their quarterback played lights out. He, you know, we had a lot of respect for him going in, but I don't think he's, I don't want to speak for them, but I can't imagine he's played a better game than that. He really played a great game. It's, you know, it's a neat story. He's done a great job uh, you know, playing really well this year, and it looks like he's really leading that team. they got a lot of good leaders on their team, but he's, he's certainly one of them. Kirk was asked about player input into game planning, particularly with respect to Vandenberg and the offensive game plan. Player input's really important to us. First of all, what we do is try to take into account what we feel like our players can do best in terms of their abilities, what our injury situation might be, etc. Those types of things, and then you, you try to formulate a plan out of, out of your you know whatever your system may be that fits those players, and then you have to match it against your opponents. Also, so there are a lot of components there, but yeah, certainly you try to take into account what you think the players can do best at a given time, and then on top of that, you know, yeah, a player like James who's played, I don't think it's uncommon for any any quarterback coach or coordinator to you know want want to encourage some conversation, you know, with what a 
employer, you know, hey, what do you, what do you, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? Not that they're making the plan because they're not, but, uh, you know, getting input's always a healthy thing, I think, from any player on, on a variety of topics. But certainly with uh, game plans, I think quarterback, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing to do. You know, if that quarterback's competent and really has a grasp of what's going on, which certainly James does. Ference talks about his number two quarterback, Jake Rudock. I think he's got the potential to be a good quarterback in terms of, you, you guys have seen him in practice. I mean, he, he looks like he did in August at the open practices. Yeah, I think he's a good thrower. I think he's got a good command. He works extremely hard. He's a lot like James Vandenberg in my mind in that, you know, he's got all the, uh, you know, characteristics that uh, give a guy a chance to be a good player. He's really into it, very smart, you know, very competitive. Uh, you know, he throws the ball well, and, you know, I think he's going to be a good player. Ference was asked about Northwestern's Venrick Mark. Yeah, he's really a dynamic player, and he, he first showed up, I believe it was two years ago. I think it was his true freshman year. He's out of the Houston area. I mean, we looked it up because I, I was curious uh, just what he was doing on special teams. A lot of it was coverage, you know, covering off, uh, you know, doing some great things there. So he, he's been a, a spark for him going back uh, to his freshman year, and you know, now he's growing into a role where he's done a great job, uh, certainly on special teams. You know, he's a really uh, dynamic returner. And uh, took 180 yards the other day. I believe it was in the third quarter you know, against a pretty stiff competition. So he, he's a guy that you better have accounted for no matter what the phase of the game is. And if he's on the field, you need to, need to really uh, try, to, try to keep him contained because he's a very tough player to defend. Kirk talks about the challenges Keen Coulter poses for his Hawkeyes. Yeah, every time you play him, there's a different set of challenges, it seems. And uh, this year, it's a little bit different with, with uh, you know, you got a guy like uh, number five who can really do some things. And then Coulter can uh, hurt you playing quarterback. He can hurt you playing receiver. And, and you're not quite sure where he's going to be. So it, it really makes it, uh, you know, just adds to what you're trying to do preparation-wise because they have uh, morphed a package for him that, uh, you know, it's been pretty good, pretty productive for him. And, you know, you got, you got to defend a lot of different things now. But that, that's kind of always the case. It's just a little different package maybe than, than uh, what we've seen before. And Ference was asked about Northwestern's two quarterbacks, Coulter and Trevor Simeon. Yeah, they're very different. I mean, yeah, Coulter's a really athletic, uh, I wouldn't describe it as a wildcat pack package, but a wildcat package because he'll throw the football and um, basically he can hurt you throwing it, running it from the quarterback position. They put him at receiver. He can he can hurt you there. So it's just, you know, you got two guys right there that you really have to take into account. And you know, they've, got, they've got other players too, so it's not like uh, they're, they're void of talent. You know, one of the receivers ran right by a corner yesterday for a, whatever it was, 26-yard touchdown, I think. But uh, it was just a, there's nothing fancy about it. Just a guy running fast down the field, and it was a nice, nice throw and catch. Next, we hear from Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald, who was asked about his team's losing leads late in games against Penn State and Nebraska and how to best deal with that. I bought a rubber chicken, so when we get a lead in the fourth quarter this week, I'm going to cut the head off it like Serrano did. So you guys are overanalyzing this, man. I mean, we, we lost two tough games uh, against two pretty darn good football teams. So the good news is typically as coaches, you don't have a lot of paralysis by analysis. You just look at what went wrong fundamentally. What would we like to call better to put our guys in a better chance to be successful, what could we do to win on the plays, you learn from it, you grow, and you move on. And, and if you dwell on the negative and you dwell on the past, history has a, ten, a chance to repeat itself. And, you know, again, I think the games are totally different, but uh, at the end of the day, we got to find a way to win, and, and we've won a lot of those games, too. So, uh, you know, the thing is, we know how to win, we just got to finish, and it's by typically the little details. Obviously, we'd like a couple calls back, but uh, at the end of the day, it is what it is. You move on and on to the next challenge. And uh, we've just got to come up with uh, better solutions and better answers in-game when some things aren't working and, uh, you know, that's on us as coaches, obviously. And, you know, it's a, it's a pill you got to swallow and you got to move on with it. 
Fitzgerald talks about his star running back and punt returner, Venrick Mark. Yeah, Venrick's been, uh, you know, really consistent throughout the entire season. He put on uh, great work this summer, and, uh, you know, I really thought it started when we got back from the bowl game a year ago. He's been incredibly dedicated and, uh, you know, doing a great job playing physical. You know, Dynamite comes in a lot of packages, and he's one of those guys that I just think plays the game the right way, plays with passion, plays with physicality, and plays for his teammates, and uh, he's a joy to work with every day. Fitzgerald assesses the Iowa team that will face his Wildcats this weekend. Well, Coach Ferentz and his staff, you know, for a long time now in this league, have done a terrific job having their team be fundamentally sound, have their team just do an outstanding job of playing as a team, you know, and that's what they do in all three phases. Fundamentally up front, obviously, they're terrific. They've got some tough injuries, but they've got guys that'll step up and very physical at the point of attack. Mark Weissman has been a terrific, terrific story here early in the year. You know, unfortunately, was unable to play on Saturday uh, due to injury, but uh, as much as he wanted, but we expect him to play this week. And then, you know, James, we saw James in his first uh, game a couple of years ago, and he's just grown and gotten better. You know, Keenan on the on the outside. I, I'm really impressed by Jordan Cotton, his return man. And, you know, Martin Manley is a young man that's a very solid receiver, too. We know a lot about uh, C.J. Fedorowicz. He's a local guy here from Johnsburg. So offensively, that's what's impressive. On defense, you know, defensive line is so darn sound. It's ridiculous. Those guys are in their gap. They understand their twist game, how they want to try to take away what you do. Uh, their linebackers play as one. I mean, it's, it's a great group. It's, it reminds me a lot of the group at Penn State that uh, understand what they're doing and how to do it. I'm really excited to see that Micah Hyde's a senior. He's been a thorn in our side now for a number of years. He's a terrific football player. And then Miller and, and Donatel, and they're bringing Nico Law in a little bit. They get in their dime package and bring in Lowry and Draper to go along with Castillo. They do a great job in the kicking game. They're very sound, very physical, and play fast. So it's going to be a great challenge. should be a heck of a football game. For homecoming for us, got a really special week. We're honoring Coach Parsegian's team uh, on Thursday. And then, you know, homecoming, all those distractions. So we got to handle all that. Learn about this young ball club that we've got. These guys will fight and we'll scratch them a claw. And we've got to coach them better. And, you know, if we clean some things up, I, I think we've got a chance to have a special finish to the season. And Fitzgerald talks about his role as a teacher as well as a head football coach. I think that's uh, at the core of who you are as an educator and as a teacher and, uh, you, you know, as a, as a leader of young men. And in my great uh, fortune, I get to be a father also. And, uh, you know, it's it's a terrific privilege to be in the role that we all have here as Big Ten head coaches. And, uh, you know, I've got 110 young men whose parents or family members have entrusted their development to our football staff and our program. And, you know, we've got a passion for it here in our program. And uh, it's something that I truly enjoy waking up every day and hopefully making an impact in our guys' lives. Taking a quick look ahead at this coming Saturday's game, the Iowa Hawkeyes travel to Evanston to face the Northwestern Wildcats in an intra-division game that will almost certainly take the losing team out of Legends contention. Iowa comes into this contest 4-3, and 2-1 and one in the Big Ten on the heels of a humiliating home loss to Penn State. Four of Iowa's seven games this season have been decided by three points or less. Northwestern is 6-2 and two overall, 2-2 two and two in conference play, and is already bowl eligible after winning its first six games this year. This is homecoming at Ryan Field. The Wildcats are 10-3 and in their last 12 regular season games, and they are 32-13 and since 2004 in games decided by seven points or less, and they've scored 21 or more points in each of their seven games this season. Kirk Ferentz is only 5-6 and versus Northwestern, but Iowa leads this series 47-23-3 overall. The Hawkeyes won last year's game in Iowa City to halt a three-game winning streak by the Wildcats, and Iowa's won two 
two of the last four at Ryan Field and is 23-14-3 overall in Evanston. Ference is in his 17th year as a head coach and his 14th at Iowa. His overall record, 112-90. At Iowa, it's 169. Pat Fitzgerald is in his 7th year at his alma mater, where he is 46-38. and And after Ference, he is now the second longest tenured coach in the Big Ten. The Hawkeyes are in the midst of playing three out of four games on the road, while the Wildcats are in a very tough stretch, having played their last two games at home versus Nebraska and on the road at Penn State. And after Iowa, they have a bye week followed by a road trip to Michigan. Both teams have key injuries this week and will try to flush bad losses from last weekend's game. And the winner will keep at least some hope alive for contentions in the Legends division and ultimately a slot in the conference championship game. A loss in this game also makes it that much more difficult for Iowa to reach the six games one mark necessary for bowl eligibility. Hasn't been easy. It won't be easy. Time now for the second of our two weekly Reporters Notebook shows. This one with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at gazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. You can follow Scott on Twitter, at Scott Docterman, and you can also listen to Scott on WMT Radio's pregame show three hours before every Iowa home game. Scott looks ahead at the Northwestern game and more. Scott, Iowa travels to Northwestern Saturday in what's likely a legend division elimination game but before we talk about that contest any last thoughts on that display that we saw last Saturday at Kinnick Stadium against Penn State yeah I think it was a really disappointing performance in so many ways virtually every position group failed from the quarterback of course which most people are, are pointing to but also the defensive line linebackers I thought the linebacker core was really good and they had their worst game of the year the secondary didn't play real well offensive line had feigned injuries. Uh, it was a poor performance across the board, maybe not indicative of Iowa as a team, but uh, they re- every single position group had failing grades, and uh, and they have a lot of work to do if they want to match intensity of any of their opponents coming up and play much better going forward, because if, if they play again the way they did Saturday night, they will not win another game this year. Northwestern comes into this game against the Hawkeyes, 6-2 and two overall, 2-2 two and two in the Big Ten. They're both eligible already after a 6-0 start, 10-3 in their last 12 regular season games, and they've scored 21 or more points in all seven of their games so far this year. It's their homecoming game, and a win against Iowa would allow this senior class to become the winningest five-year class in school history up there. It's, uh, you know, I think we we need to give Pat Fitzgerald his due. Uh, You know, he was a tremendous player and a magical year for Northwestern back in 1995, but as a head coach, no coach in America matches has a better feel for his program as Pat Fitzgerald. He does whatever it takes to be competitive. He has them focused and moving forward. And, and you can't be can't come away with anything but be impressed with Northwestern. The consistency they've shown uh, under Fitzgerald, the intensity, the, the smartness if you will on the field. Uh, they are competitive with everybody this year. And in fact, the two games they lost, they held double-digit fourth quarter leads. They 
very well could be 8-0 at this point. And uh, that said, they have a lot of flaws themselves. Uh, that, you know, they have an offense that really lacks identity. Uh, their corners are average and injured, and, and they have trouble matching physical play late in games. So they're a beatable team. However, you have to come to play against Northwestern, as always. And this week, uh, I think you'll see kind of a wounded animal approach uh, from the Wildcats. Ferentz is only 5-6 and six against the Wildcats. Pat Fitzgerald, you just talked about him. He's in his seventh year up there. Hard to believe that he's now the second longest tenured coach in the Big Ten after Ferentz. But he has a dislike for all things Iowa, and generally he's had Ferentz's number. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of that is Iowa's unable to match the tempo of, uh, on offense against Northwestern. As you can see, Northwestern is, uh, Iowa's defense traditionally is bend but don't break. We'll give you the five-yard plays, and then eventually, you know, we'll capitalize with either a sack, a turnover, or a turnover on downs. Northwestern's perfectly fine taking the five-yard play and taking it and taking it and, and doing it at a speed where Iowa just can't match it because they the, oftentimes they're matched up linebackers on slot receivers who move, move a lot, and that, that's been very difficult. Iowa's had made, you know, major lead the last three losses against Northwestern in 08, 09, and 2010. All of them were double-digit leads and all of them fell apart because Iowa just could not match um, on defense. They couldn't hold steady. And, of course, I think uh, you look at 2009, Iowa was undefeated 9-0 and and uh, you know we're up 10 and nothing, and then lost. And then 2010, still late in the year, had Big Ten title hopes and, and fell apart with the 10-point lead at Northwestern. So uh, Pat Fitzgerald, as, as you mentioned, uh, back in his days as a player, you know, Hayden Fry and, and all things Iowa just kind of like to put down Northwestern. I beat him 21 years in a row, and I think Hayden Fry had mentioned one time to Gary Barnett, I hope we didn't hurt any of your players after a big loss. Well, Barnett patterned his program after Iowa. They felt like Iowa was the school that gave them the least respect, and uh, and ever since 1995, Northwestern's won nine out of the 15 games. So I think from here on eternity, Iowa, should, Iowa fans first, and then the players, of course, already do, uh, need to respect Northwestern as an equal power in the Big Ten. Yeah, even last year when Iowa won that game at Kinnick, 41-31, to and what turned into a shootout, they had to hang on at the end there because Northwestern stormed back in that contest. So both teams coming off of bad games. You talked about the fact Northwestern lost double-digit leads at home versus Nebraska and on the road at Penn State. And in fact, they've now lost five of ten games over the past two seasons after holding double-digit leads in the second half of games. And Fitzgerald made sort of a funny comment on the Big Ten conference call this week talking about he was going to take a rubber chicken out there and when they get a lead, cut its head off or something. I'm not sure what he meant. Pat Fitzgerald is uh, he's a classic motivator. Uh, I think after the game against Northwestern, you know, or against Nebraska, he kind of mentioned that uh, well, that was their traditional nap time, and that's why they fell apart. And I, you know, I think it's funny that he brings those things to light. But at the same time, he's searching for answers for his team. And 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 this is a again a team that struggles against the traditional powers that can that can really outmuscle them. And uh, you know, again, they were up 26, uh, 28 to sixteen six minutes ago against Nebraska at home, and yet they allowed Nebraska to storm back and win the game. And and this is something. This is probably a line in the sand game for Northwestern as much as it is for Iowa because Northwestern needs this win, to, as you mentioned, to maintain pace in the Legends division, but Northwestern needs to do it for themselves because otherwise that'd be their three loss out of the last four games, and, uh, and you could see the season slip by when they got a game against Michigan and Michigan State coming up, so uh, this is a very important game for Northwestern uh, moving forward for a lot of reasons, and of course you'll see Pat Fitzgerald really get his team ready to play. Marv Cook made a real interesting comment in his show this week talking about how players react after loss 
losses, Iowa's versus Penn State, that kind of a, of a dominating game by Penn State, big loss by Iowa, all things bad, versus Northwestern losing those double-digit leads late in the games. He said it, he believes that it's actually easier to flush out the kind of loss Iowa had to Penn State than the kind of losses Northwestern's had to Nebraska and at Penn State, because that begins to get in players' heads. I agree. I think that he's right. I mean, you could kind of turn the page after a bad performance, and, and again, that was everybody from Iowa. Every unit, about every player played poorly, so if you just kind of get rid of it and move on and move forward and realize, okay, you're, you, you had a really good game at Michigan State, you had a really poor game at Penn State, let's go out and you know and focus on Northwestern. I think it's easier to do that, because those, uh, those tough losses, when you're up big, they become demoralizing. I think we saw that with Iowa two years ago, when, you know, as we mentioned, Iowa had the opportunity. They're up 10 points at Northwestern with a showdown with Ohio State. Still had the opportunity to win the Big Ten or at least a share of it. But then you lose that 10-point lead in the fourth quarter late. Uh, you lose that game. The following week, another tough loss. Same type of deal. And then they just fell flat for the finale. So I think that's, that's what, if there is a motivating factor, that that's good for Iowa. And Iowa in the past has put the past behind them very well. I mean, they've a lot of those tough losses, those one-point losses, usually Iowa was able to just kind of put it on the shelf and look forward, and that's helped them when they've lost tough games like at Minnesota last year and then come back and beat Michigan. But but that said, this is a new opponent. This is a new team. Iowa's less talented than they've been in the past, and uh, Iowa, Iowa really needs to get going in a couple areas of, of the game where they really struggled all year long. We'll talk about keys to the game a bit later, but certainly one of the most important factors in this game for both Iowa and Northwestern will be overcoming injuries. Iowa's perhaps more serious with respect to losing two of their starting offensive linemen, Scherf and Denal. Weissman's listed as co-starting running back. Bullock's been cleared to play. I don't think we know what we have in that respect. On the other side of the coin, uh, Northwestern says that Venrick Mark probably will play after looking like he had suffered a concussion last week, but they've clearly lost two of their cornerbacks. Nick Van Hoos is their top cover corner, and Quinn Evans are both going to miss this game. So talk about how the injuries could impact both teams. Well, uh, you know, I guess first, Venrick Mack is a, a terrific all-purpose player, the most dangerous punt returner possibly in the country, and that's something that that will obviously benefit Iowa if he doesn't play. Now, if he does play, still sustaining a head injury, that's really difficult. You wonder if that will affect him while he's playing. If not, still a guy you got to watch out for. The, those injuries to the cornerbacks could be in Iowa's favor because Iowa just has struggled in the passing game all year long, and even last week when the opportunities were there, they, they weren't able to take advantage of them. So now they really need to do that. Uh, you know, Northwestern had new corners coming into this season, and now that, that it appears that both of them are going to be out, uh, they have to take advantage of them. If they don't, I don't know where you go with this offense. I, I, you know, either the offense needs to be completely junked, or you need to um, put in new personnel, because at this point, passing game is stalled to the point of not running at all, and if you can't do that against a team that's got second-team corners on a team that didn't really have good corners to begin with, I think you're in really bad shape as a, as a passing offense for the rest of the year and uh, into the near future. And uh, how do you think Iowa will plug in replacements for Scherf and, and Denal, though? Well, right now, I mean, Austin Blythe was the original starter at right guard, and he was injured. He had a high ankle sprain, and Andrew Denal st- stepped in and had a pretty nice run for him, you know, and actually did solidify himself at that position. Now Blythe goes back. Blythe, terrific young player, redshirt freshman. He'll do just fine there. The left tackle is, is always uh, the, the marquee position on Iowa's offensive line. Brandon Scherf had been playing as well as anybody at that in the Big Ten, probably Iowa's best offensive player. So that was that will be a huge loss. We'll see if they decide to continue with Nolan McMillan, who was a starter a couple of years ago, but then had a you know hernia 
hernia surgery and a couple other injuries. And we'll see if he continues there or if they slide Matt Tobin out, who's had a really nice year at left guard and maybe uh, has played himself into a potential NFL draft pick. So uh, he might be the guy. I would, If I was to make a guess right now, I would go with Matt Tobin uh, playing left tackle because of the vitality of that position. And Nolan McDillon's had you know several uh, games of experience playing inside, and I think he, he might be a little more comfortable there at, you know, after not playing for 20 straight games. Let's go back and focus a bit on Northwestern spread offense. In the past, they've killed teams, and especially teams like Iowa with that short and intermediate passing game. This season, since the Indiana game, they've settled in on uh, uh, Simeon as their starting quarterback, and while Kane Coulter still takes a few snaps there, he's playing more as a, as a wide receiver or a slot as a rusher. They are averaging over 223 yards a game rushing, which is third in the Big Ten, and Mark's topped 100 yards in five games this season, but interestingly, their passing offense is struggling. It seems like many defenses at least have figured out how to stop that passing attack, and, and in fact, their passing offense is ranked lower than Iowa's. Yeah, it's a, it's, it is a little bit unusual to see what Northwestern has done, especially in Big Ten play. I thought going into the season that, that their passing attack might be one of the better ones in the Big Ten, and then you bring in a guy like Kyle Prater, who was a top recruit from, you know, and went to USC and then transferred in. That really seemed to be a guy that thought, okay, they're really going to be talented there, and they just haven't been able to get on track. And I'm not so sure if it's because uh, Kane Coulter just doesn't fit that position and is, is accurate, or if they think Trevor Simeon's a better passer, but that that is an offense that has struggled. I mean, and we've seen, as we know from years past, guys like Mike Kafka, Brett Bazinet, and, and of course Dan Persa, uh, what they've been able to do um, throwing the ball, that quick pace tempo. Iowa's, you know, really struggled in the fourth quarter to really uh, put the put the stop on them. So we'll see if that they're able to do that. I mean, rushing offense, good, but then once they get in the Big Ten play, uh, you know, they've had a lot of longer runs. Uh, but they, you know, that that's what you get with the spread. You know, I mean, you know, people are confused, and boom, you know, there's a six-yard run, six-yard run, and, and uh, Iowa's been nickel and dime to death in a couple of their losses, so it'll be a very difficult uh, game for Iowa, and it'll be very vital up front. They played, actually, I think the defensive line may have played more poorly than the, than the quarterbacks the other day. They have to reestablish the line of scrimmage and stop the run, or this will be a runaway Northwestern win. Now, Northwestern's passing woes seem a little perplexing because they have a pretty deep core of receivers, and when you have a team that has four receivers that have each caught 20 or more passes through the first seven games, you'd, you'd think you'd have some better statistics than that, but their emphasis on the run this year with Henrik Mark, and uh, he's got a pretty good backup in Trumpy, and then of course you, you throw Coulter in there. They're fifth in the nation, uh, Coulter, Mark is a fifth in the nation in all-purpose yards. He's 18th in rushing. He only needs 90 yards to reach 1,000. Um, it really does seem like a Northwestern offense that maybe because of the personnel is emphasizing the run a bit more. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's what they, they've done this year. It's a little bit different than in the past where they've kind of passed, 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 run, passed, 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 and it's kind of, they treated the pass like the run. This year, the run's been a little bit more effective for them. I mean, they ran 155 times in Big Ten play versus throwing only 125 times. I mean, it's a little different. They've uh, outgained themselves, you know, uh, you know, you know, 900 yards to 638, you know. So it's a little different uh, Northwestern team. But that said, Benrick Mark is a dangerous player in a multiple areas. Uh, as an all-purpose back, as a running back, uh, getting out of the backfield, and then certainly returning 
punt. So, and then you you, you got to watch out for Kane Coulter for every lines up. Uh, this will test Iowa's defense. Their their philosophy as always because uh, Northwestern tries to rely on matchups, and sometimes they'll get those slot backs. They'll get a guy like Kane Coulter one on one with a linebacker, and if they can throw a five yard pass, get it first down, and keep the chains moving, they'll do that. They're perfectly happy going against Iowa's bend, but they'll break. So it'll be interesting to see if Iowa can get pressure on the quarterback and stop the run. This game is vitally important for the uh, for the defensive line to, to establish itself. It got destroyed the other night. It was terrible, and it needs to be better. It needs to be more like it was against Michigan State. It's a different style of team, and we'll see if they can throw out enough throws to, to, uh, to be able to match them point for point. More from Scott Docterman after this break. James Vandenberg has completed just two of his last 11 passes. Thrown a pick in that window as well. Fourth down. Is it caught? No, it's not. It's dropped by Davis, and Penn State holds. Now, again, he went back to the same play that they tried on second down by the fade route, but I think this was a ball was thrown with quite a bit of pace. If he's going to go with the back shoulder ball, you got to go back a little bit further to the left. Wasn't the case. Hawkeyes still scoreless. They turn it over on down. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the news and events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinot and Brummel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Back to our conversation with Scott Darterman. Scott talks the Big Ten. I was running game and quarterbacking and predicts Northwestern. One of the more interesting stats going into this game, I thought, was the fact that Mark and Mark Weissman are tied for fifth in the FBS with five plays of 30 or more yards. So that shows you the kind of success Northwestern's having and probably the importance of Iowa reestablishing its running game. Yeah, it sure does. Iowa, you know, had a very poor performance. It's the worst uh, rushing game they've had since 2005. They only ran for 20 yards against Penn State. So Iowa does need to uh, reestablish the run. A lot of that was a lot of it was dictated by getting two offensive linemen knocked out in the first quarter. Uh, they didn't run effectively. Their running back Mark Wiseman was out. I think Mark will play and play a lot this week. Um, it's not a physical type unit on Northwestern side. They do have a couple of good players. Tyler Scott is an you know, effective pass rusher. But that said, this is a team Iowa can run on. I 
without a doubt. I think uh, Iowa can be successful, will be successful. They gave up uh, Northwestern gives up 4.2 yards per carry. Iowa likes to run the football, and we'll, I think we'll see a healthy dose of, uh, of Mark Wiseman going forward. After him, who knows? Right now, I would say Greg Garvin will probably get the line share of carries, but I but, uh, wouldn't be surprised to see somebody like Jordan Kanzari get a few carries as well. You just mentioned junior defensive end Tyler Scott on Northwestern's defense leads the team in sacks with six. They're in the Big Ten in that category. They got a decent core of linebackers, as you would expect under Fitzgerald, a former linebacker himself. But Iowa coming off playing probably the two best defenses they're going to see all season, Michigan State and Penn State. Northwestern's defense certainly doesn't fit into that category. Not at all. Not at all. Both teams are very good at turnover margins. Iowa's at a plus six. Northwestern, though, is at a plus eight. They're 18th in the nation in that regard. And you're in a road game again. It'll be interesting to see how many Iowa fans are in the stands. That was a big deal last week when Northwestern played Nebraska, where the Cornhusker fans far outnumbered uh, Northwesterns. But in terms of the turnovers, and then you go focus on special teams, two of the nation's top punt coverage teams, Northwestern 13th, Iowa 28th. But Venrick Mark leads the country in punt returns, and the team overall, Northwestern, is third in that category. Uh, Venrick Mark, as we mentioned, you know, he is a dangerous punt returner. Uh, Northwestern averages 20 yards a, a return. They've got two touchdowns. They are incredibly dangerous. They are not afraid to take chances in that. Iowa has to be better, uh, you know, and stop. And, and, and really, they haven't been bad uh, against punts. It's just part of it is very few are getting returned these days in college football, and uh, Iowa has to uh, realize that this week, <laughs> without a doubt, you've got to uh, watch out for that. And, and they are next to last in the Big Ten in, in, in net punting. So they're going to have to either angle it a little bit more or uh, just really emphasize to the, this year that, or this week that uh, Fenrick Mark will take it back and he'll be active. So uh, it's a different style of, uh, of play, whereas a lot of times you're getting fair catches and, and, and no, little to no return. A real positive for Iowa the last couple of weeks is Jordan Cotton and kickoff returns. Of course, he had the 92-yard touchdown return against the Nittany Lions. He had that touchdown return called back because of penalty against Michigan State. Finally, it looks like Iowa's getting something there. Well, you know, I think a lot of us thought Jordan Cotton would be a perfect fit back there. He was an electric player at Mount Pleasant High School who was dying to get on the field, and Iowa really had just been almost conservative. You know, they used kind of a running back and wide receiver for most of the time. Well, once Greg Garman got hurt, they had to throw him back there, and we'd see, uh, you know, he returned one against Michigan State that got called back because of a really sloppy, poor penalty, and then uh, got one against Penn State. So I think Jordan Cotton can be that type of player. He's a quick twitch guy. He's got good speed. He's got good quickness. I think he's the guy you want back there. I think he's got a real future returning kick. I wouldn't be surprised if next year you'll see him returning punts as well. So uh, he, Iowa's kick return this year has been pretty average before he got there, and now he now he's elevated them to uh, you know one of the better units in the Big Ten, their third overall. Not to prolong this discussion, but if James Vandenberg can't perform fairly well against a, a Northwestern defense that we've already talked about, especially missing its top two cornerbacks, you really have to wonder what's going on at that position and what's what's going wrong with him. I think it's a combination of him and Greg Davis right now. And uh, the, the wide receivers, this is not a great unit of wide receivers that does lack a little bit of quickness and, and overall speed, but I think they're getting the, the offense down. I think you're looking at a quarterback that's pressing too much, maybe a little stressed out. He's got to think too much maybe when he's out there. He's got a couple of plays in his head. He's going to line a scrimmage. You know, within you know, a five to seven second window, he's trying to check over the defense to find out which one to go with, try to read the defense from a 
coverage perspective, and then when he gets back there, too many of the routes, frankly, are too short. They're they're five to seven yards at the most. Many times they're three yards, and they're outs, or they're quick ins, or catches. They're not extenuating his positives, which is he can throw the ball down the field. He's good on dig routes, on post slants. And Iowa hasn't thrown a lot of those this year. Uh, very rarely, in fact, they've only thrown a few fades, uh, and they, he's been successful on those fade routes to Keenan Davis in the last couple of weeks. So Iowa really, there's a disconnect there, whether it's between, and I think it's between Greg Davis, who prefers the outside perimeter-style passing game, and, and James Vandenberg, who could throw the ball all over the field. And uh, they're putting a lot, of, a lot of things on his plate. He's a sharp kid, but he's not handling it well either. And you can see that he's just he's pressing a lot of times when the routes are there. He's throwing it too hard, too high. That, that means he's trying too hard. He just needs to relax. And Iowa needs to do a little bit more to get him, to allow him to relax. Whether that's throwing more routes that he's capable of throwing or doing a better job with, or uh, that's uh, adjusting the, the offensive uh, philosophy. You've got to wonder, because Iowa faces Michigan on the road and then Nebraska the day after Thanksgiving at Kinnick, but if they can't get this offense clicking against teams like Northwestern and Indiana and, and Purdue, it's hard to see how they're going to become bowl eligible even. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the next three games are pivotal in that regard because Iowa has, I would say Iowa has a pretty even shot at winning any of the next three. I mean, Northwestern or Indiana, Purdue, Indiana's got the worst defense in the Big Ten. I would say that the next two games, if the passing game does not connect in the next two games, forget it. It's just not going to happen this year. And, uh, and either you make a change in philosophy or you make a change at the quarterback position, Iowa will probably choose neither and just uh, sputtering along because Indiana and, and Northwestern have a lot of opportunities uh, in the passing game that Iowa can take advantage. Your keys to this game offensively and defensively for the Hawks? Well, once again, I think I can repeat myself from last <laughs> week when it comes to the passing game. Um, you know, James Vandenberg has to has to become the quarterback everybody thought he could be. And that includes being able to throw, uh, to be able to, to move the passing game along because right now anybody and everybody can just line up near the line of scrimmage and just go ahead and say, okay, we'll stop your run. You throw. If you if you can beat us, uh, you're going to have to do a passing. And he's just going to have to do that. And there's going to have to be a better approach to the game plan because it obviously does not work. That's period. It doesn't work. Greg Davis has to change it. You know, not not whole scale, but the routes have to change. The and and some of the, and there just needs to be a change at certain points of the game. Defensively, Iowa has to be able to stop the run. I mean, to me that that's vital. Uh, they're going to have to watch for the spread option, uh, zone read from Benrick Mark. He's an explosive player. He gets he gets past the first level. He could be gone, and he's shown that in several different areas. So Iowa has to stop. The run. Iowa has to throw the ball. If Iowa could do both of those things, they will have a good chance of winning, but it would be very difficult either way. Prediction? I have Northwestern winning this game. I think we've seen this We've seen this show before, and uh, the results are usually not very good for Iowa. I think Iowa loses 31-20, to 20, but that said, it, they're capable of winning this game as well. But I, I just think Northwestern has too much offense, and uh, Iowa hasn't shown enough in the passing game to, to actually sit here and believe that they're going to get it done. Big Ten thoughts this week. Some huge games games on tap that could have serious implications for both divisions. I think you're looking at a separation Saturday type of a, uh, weekend here. I mean, uh, Michigan at Nebraska is the biggest game in the Big Ten because the winner really has a good chance of, of winning 
that division. You know, Michigan, and if Michigan wins, I think right now you, you pretty much make them not, not only the odds on favorite, but the clear favorite to win the Legends division. They're the only undefeated team that's eligible for the Big Ten title game. And if they can go on the road at Nebraska and win, it would take uh, Iowa winning at Michigan, no questions asked, to get into the title game. Although, you know, you got you got to like the ineligible, <laughs> ineligible in, uh, between Ohio State and Penn State. I think that could be a very interesting game, in my opinion. They're the two best teams. I like Penn State. I like Penn State to win that game. And then you've got the uh, rematch from last year's title game, Michigan State-Wisconsin. It's at Wisconsin. You know, this is the first time they played in, in Madison for a few years. You know, Michigan State can run the ball, play defense. Wisconsin can run the ball and play defense. I, I expect that to be a pretty close, hard-fought, old-school Big Ten type of game. And then, of course, you got Indiana-Illinois, probably the two weakest teams in the league. We'll see who doesn't end up with a good sake this year. All right, I'm out of here. Uh, I hear that asteroids machine calling my name from the game room, so peace. Fourth down pass is going to be intercepted. Mike Hall with the interception, and that's going to do it. Just not the type of evening the Iowa Hawkeyes expected to have. A very impressive performance all across the board for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, you saw it in all three phases of the game. Offense, defense, special teams. They got a fast start early in the ball game, both the first and the third quarter, and the defense, for the most part, was able to keep Iowa off the board outside of one offensive touchdown. 38-14 is the final score. That's going to do it from Iowa City. Hawkeye's Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and thanks to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.